0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 9 of season 6, my US road trip part 2. In this season, I kick things off with two weeks in New Orleans. There, I head to a couple of competitions and spend some time hanging out with the who's who of Southern Barbecue. From there, it's up to Kansas City for four days of barbecue nirvana at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's Annual Conference and Excellence Awards. The final two weeks of the journey see us head into Arkansas for some R&R, including bass fishing, monster trucks, a state cook-off association competition, an AK-47, and a brush with a tornado. And of course, you're coming with me. In this episode, I once again head to the Marriott in downtown Kansas City for the second day of the NBBQA conference. I've got a killer lineup for you in this episode. We've got interviews with YouTube barbecue legends, gadget guys, charcoal manufacturing environmental warriors, and a rub manufacturer from California who's utterly obsessed with tri-tip, and so, so much more. Before we get into it, I'd like to let you know about our awesome online shop. Particularly, I want to talk to you about the Hail Mary t-shirt. Drawing inspiration from the iconic barbecue pop culture art by Gil Elfgren, the Hail Mary tee is black, like all good barbecue shirts should be, come in both men and women's cuts and in a variety of sizes. And of course, they feature Mary. She likes her barbecue smoky, spicy and just a little bit naughty. Check her out now at smokinghotconfessions.com shop. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So, without further ado, grab yourself a truffle loaded 70 30 blended burger topped with bacon jam and something cold and bubbly, and join me for another day of juicy barbecue know how at day two of the NBBQA
1: conference.
2: This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions
1: Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long's it been since your last confession?
0: If there's one name that's synonymous with the Aussie Outdoors, it's gotta be Ozpig. The Ozpig is a fire pit, a stove, a grill, a barbecue, and with the latest attachments, it's a smoker now too. And with the seemingly endless array of accessories including a rotisserie, there is almost no limits to what you can do with an Ozpig. A family owned and run business, the Ozpig was designed for one purpose, for families to be able to enjoy divine food while enjoying the great outdoors together. With a solid, compact design weighing just 17 kilos and packing into its own carry case, the Ozpig is the perfect companion for your next camping, fishing or caravan trip, or even just enjoying a slice of the Aussie lifestyle in your own backyard. To get an Ozpig of your very own, check out ozpig.com.au, that's o-z-p-i-g.com.au. Hey folks, Ben for Smoking Hot Confessions here. It's day two of the NBBQA conference. We're kicking things off. It's a little bit uh, overcast, a little bit hazy. It was sort of real foggy this morning when I got up, or maybe that was just me after the awards last it was, night. It was foggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. oh, good, 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 good. But with me right now, I've got uh, Ryan from...
1: The Smoke Sheep. The Smoke Sheet, Barbecue
0: Tourist, that was the one I I couldn't get my mind around, and Sean from NYC Barbecue, and together they do The Smoke Sheet, which is a, well, I'll let them tell about it.
1: The Smoke Sheet is a weekly newsletter that's all about barbecue, the world of barbecue. We have um, events, we have all the latest news, we have uh, media, such as like a book, a video or a podcast every week and we also feature all the biggest best barbecue events and a recipe of the week so anything and everything about the world of barbecue
0: yeah it's it's awesome if if you haven't signed up for it yet you really should Um, i've been on there since almost the start of it and I love it because when they publish, is in the middle of the night for me. So I get to wake up in the morning first thing. There it is in my email, and I get to catch up on the on what's been happening in the world of barbecue first thing in the morning. So it's really cool. And uh, Matt, can you tell us how it uh, how it came about?
3: Yeah, um, I, I've been writing about barbecue in the Northeast for about four years, and I, you know, constantly been you know tracking and looking around barbecue in, in the national scene and even the global scene. And like, where can I find all this information in one place? Because I don't find any one particular outlet doing a good job. I mean, there's a lot of great Texas barbecue writing. um, And there's a lot of very specific regional writing. But I was like, where can I find it all in one place? And I couldn't find anything that really fell in that specific category. And so uh, we were like, why don't we create this? And I actually met Ryan um, in line in Snows in Texas, actually, um, which you know, Snows is you know by Texas Monthly's rankings the number one in the world. And is like, how appropriate is it that you know the NYC BBQ and BBQ tourist also both from Kansas City, both went to the same college, um, but just different years that we meet in line at Snow's, and then wanting to also work on this uh, barbecue publication together. And uh, we've been doing it for six months, and it's been going really great. Yeah, it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly seems to be picking up and, and gaining popularity. Now, you've both got individual brands as well as the, uh, the smoke sheet, which is what I was stumbling over at the, start of the, uh, <laughs> at, at, at the start of the interview, which I do apologize for. That's okay. Tell us about NYC BBQ.
3: Yeah, um, I basically started it as a hobby, just trying to document all the best barbecue in the Northeast and especially in New York City, city limits. And um, it's just grown over the last four years. And, you know, I've gotten to be a better barbecue writer, a better barbecue photographer. You know, it's a real evolution from, the, from being a hobby to being more of a little bit more of a business and really having a you know, really close eye on what's happening in the scene and writing every week about what's happening.
0: So it's a it's a blog based thing then. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, a it's a blog. Website?
3: It's a news <clears throat> newsletter and social media, um, and you know honestly, I just started uh, even today announced my first curated event. So I'm actually helping um, on the event side to pick some of the best people that can be at some of these events and actually you know make what make what's going to make a really impactful, amazing event.
0: Oh wow! So, yeah. Are you able to tell us that event, or is it? Oh, you know, it's, is it's, it is it's, yet I, to be released? I,
3: the announcement went out today. So, okay. rib, rib King NYC 2019. Um, so, basically, uh, beef and pork ribs are going to be the star of the show. Um, uh, so, sorry vegetarians, there won't be a ton of veggie items for you. But it is I, do- called, I it, doubt it, they're watching
0: this video it's, anyway. It's, it's <laughs> called Rib. It's
3: called <laughs> Rib King. So, uh, you know, you know pretty much what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, but it'll be very fun. We'll have a people's choice and we'll have a judge's choice. And it's just going to be a, a blast. Ah, yeah.
0: Fantastic. That, that that sounds amazing. And Barbecue Tourist, t- tell me what's up with that.
1: Barbecue Tourist, uh, I started that because I love to travel. So it is a nationwide thing where basically it's geared towards people who like food and travel and barbecue. I started out basically making... Um, interactive web maps to show people where the best barbecue joints were all over the country Wow so my site has a lot of that and it also includes some recommendations um, lots of lots of my favorite places that I've traveled to all across the country I take a barbecue road trip at least once a month it seems like it's maybe a couple of times a month now even so I'm always on the road hitting places and I like to share that information with people um, also a lot of stuff with events as well so and and how does your, your family handle that much time on the road uh, they like to travel as well and sometimes it's nice for me to go solo sometimes they join me so um, uh, and we're also fortunate that we have family across the country and a, a lot of our family is in places that have great barbecues. so we're really lucky I like how that works out yeah. Also, my little five-year-old son loves Texas, so that's really helpful as well. We get to go down to Texas whenever he wants to, and we can have a blast down there with the barbecue.
0: It's all cowboys and guns. What's What's not to love?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So if I was to ask you what would be your three favorite barbecue
1: places that you've been to, what would they be? Oh, my gosh. Three barbecue places. My favorites would be we really liked pains in Memphis it just was the coolest experience it had it was a very unassuming simple place we went in there kind of thinking we would just go in and go out and it ended up being a fantastic experience it was just some of the best pork I've ever had in my life really really enjoyed Skylight Inn in North Carolina that was just a, an awesome experience and seeing the whole hogs there amazing food very again very simple um, and then, of course, Snows. Snows was just an amazing experience. Where, you got to meet people in line. You're standing out there. You're you're creating friendships, lifelong friendships. And then at the end, you get to taste fantastic food and meet Tootsie and and Snow. It was it was awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't
3: made it to Snows yet, but that's definitely on my list. Yeah, it should be top. And how about you? Your top three? Um. I guess like, uh... Well snows would be on my on my top three as well but I, I, I'll, I'll try to give you three more so you get a little more diversity. Um, in New York City, of course I have to you know kind of rep New York City but hometown barbecue in, in, in uh, Red Hook Brooklyn is as good as everyone tells you. Um, it could be if it was based in Texas, it could be on the top, it would be probably on the top 50 list. Oh wow it, it's that good. And so I think people are consist- consistently surprised by the quality and consistency and the atmosphere. Um, but if you do go, go go early, just like you would in Texas, go early, get in line. Um, it's very important. Um, I want to give a shout out to a Kansas City joint um, called Jazzy Bees. Now, think about Jazzy Bees. It's incredibly also unassuming. I think the, is, the, I like a balance of things that are like kind of like you have to do the line and you have to do this, and then also the kind of surprise. And I, when you get surprised and you go, whoa, this is really amazing, like I, I'm really impressed and I didn't have any idea this was going to happen, uh, Jazzy Bees falls in that. And that thank you to Ryan for pointing me, he's like, you got to go to Jazzy Bees, so definitely. In Kansas City, that one will surprise a lot of people. Um, and then I actually... I don't know why it just immediately came ahead, but probably because everyone's done it, is uh, Franklin Barbecue. Because I actually did do four hours in line. I didn't, you know, there's a a pre-ordering thing where you can pre-order and get your food or whatever. But I did brave the line. I got there uh, before 9 a.m. I was served around 1. I got to try everything I wanted to try. And I think the experience of waiting in a line for four hours with a bunch of hungry enthusiasts is kind of special, and that's another reason why snows is such an amazing kind of experience, because it's only Saturday morning that you can go, and that's it. Saturday morning, and you're there, you're eating barbecue for breakfast, basically. It's it's, it's, it's just a communal experience that's unlike any other. So, yeah.
0: Listening to those three suggestions from both of you, it sounds like, and just because I just came out of a session where this guy was talking about this, is that the experience is as important, if not more important, than the actual food itself. Mm-hmm. Because you've, 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 you've both just talked about the experience of each of those three places. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either of you really just said the name of the place and then the food was amazing. You talked more about the experience you did about the food.
3: I was something like though, pains, for example, though, is not like a big glossy experience. It is the most low-key experience. And then in a way, that's kind of surprising because the food is so good that you'd think that they would put on a little bit of a show and they're like, we're good. We're just hanging out in the back and just doing our thing. We're taking photos and they don't care. They're just like, "Eh, do whatever you want. It's fine. (laughs) Like, can we take a photo of the pit? Sure, come back, take a photo of the pit. Which is kind of like in itself is kind of just the generosity of it is so nice and is also unassuming. It's like so uh, pleasant. So, I don't know. We just really like going to these places where you can be surprised. Yeah.
0: Yep, sounds good. It's always better to have a good surprise than a bad surprise. I hate, <laughs> yeah. I hate going to a restaurant and paying a ton of money for the first, like going to the restaurant for the first time, paying a ton of money for something and coming away going, Yeah.
3: You've actually had a few of those, right? I mean, I usually steer clear of them, but because you've been to more barbecue places than I have, you've actually had a chance to go to places where you, you didn't actually have that experience, that it was like paying a lot of money and being like,
4: nah. Yeah, and I won't name names. You don't, I, but
0: I don't. was going to say, let's not get into that. <laughs> because I don't have a lawyer on retainer. so we. <laughs> we That's
3: part of being, you know, you're... Uh, yeah, he's been to more barbecue places than I have, so the I'm I'm, I'm, I'm be, I was hype man apparently. So, the yes, the other thing to
1: suggest though is that you know, every experience is totally unique. You may go to a place that gets all these accolades and, and not have a great experience, and it may just be a bad day, it may be an off day. You have to keep that in mind too. You know, I never go to a place and usually and, and come away completely devastated and disappointed. It's usually it's it's just underwhelming and I'm thinking maybe they're having an off day or something like that. So uh, most of the places are, have been fantastic experiences. And the barbecue community is amazing. Everybody, pit masters, the staff, the enthusiasts, everybody is, is on the same team. And so that's been the best part of this whole journey is meeting the people. The food is like, A bonus, but
0: people are amazing. There you go. So in the world of barbecue, the food is a bonus. You heard it here first. All right. So if you want to keep up to date on all things barbecue happening um, around America and the rest of the world, you've got Ryan with Barbecue Tourist. You've got Sean with NYC Barbecue. And together they make the smoke sheet. Where can they find the smoke sheet?
3: You can sign up for the smoke sheet at bbqnewsletter.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. So you know. That's
0: a perfect domain name. Very, very SEO savvy. I'm,
3: I, I'm glad that I picked that up a long time ago. It's, <laughs> it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, bought it, and then I've just had it for a very long time. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Closing thoughts? Um, well, we've we've had a pretty good time so far at the conference. Um, it's great, like, you know, the opportunity to meet people, and you really do get to see how the community shines, right? The opportunity to really just meet really, you know, fantastic people across the country, across the world. And, I mean, we've just been thrilled to be part of it, and um, we're just happy to, to be part of this experience. Look forward to seeing everybody out on the barbecue trail.
0: Fantastic. There you go. So go to barbecuenewsletter.com, sign up for the smoke sheet. You'll get all this barbecue goodness in your email inbox once a week, every week. Beautiful. Hey folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We're at day two of the NBBQA conference. I'm having a great time.
5: Michael from Flame Boss, how are you? I'm having a great time too. This is, a, this is an opportunity to meet with some very interesting and, and just kind people. I'm
0: amazed by uh, the degree of passion that I'm experiencing about barbecue here at this conference. And I guess if you think about it, that's exactly what you would expect because only the most passionate are going to come to a, 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 an industry body conference like this.
5: I think so. And it's, it, it is amazing. And uh, it, it's hard to peel yourself away from them yeah. because you experience that passion and, and it's, it's, uh, it's joyful.
0: And it's infectious, don't you find? I like I, so. My brain is just pinging with so many new ideas of things I could do. And
5: I, I wanted to go start cooking uh, you know, lunch at breakfast time this morning when I'm sitting with Mark Lambert talking to him about something he had cooked. It was just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a good guy.
0: We, we met him at uh, Houston last year, 2018, and uh, he, he invited us into the OBR tent, and we had dinner with him and Stan and, uh, and, and Joey Machado. And Mike Lambert... Just sat there and just talked to my kid all night. My my little six-year-old boy, and he just he was just like Isn't hanging out and having a great time. He's a great guy. Yeah, definitely,
5: definitely. Now, I want to know about Flame Boss. Tell me about Flame Boss. Well, we make a digital temperature controller for charcoal smokers. We make them from everything from a Weber uh, Smoky Mountain up to big ca- cabinet smokers. Um, a lot of our users um, have Big Green Eggs or other Kamado style grills, so it uses a small blower and a variable speed blower and a con- and a controller that precisely puts the amount of air in there to keep it at whatever temperature you've set it at. We actually have a patent on the temperature control method, and you can keep your charcoal fire at a more even temperature than most people's ovens at home. Wow. More, more consistent than an electric oven. Correct. That's incredible.
0: So... Tell me a bit about the the homework that went into designing it all, because I understand there's a lot of work has got to go into the algorithms for calculating ramping and things. Is that right?
5: There is, and I wish I could tell you a lot about it. My brother is the, <laughs> is the genius behind it. I'm, well, I'm where's he a, then? <laughs> we, don't, we don't let him outside. <laughs> no, he doesn't see light. He's like a mushroom. No, I'm just kidding. He's a great guy, but he uh, he's at home... Uh, it's back at, back at the office still right. making the uh, product better. And he, he did do a lot. He studied the issues with, you know, with the temperature control that was out there and, and he felt like there was a way to make it better. And also, I think the Is other thing he had almost as much passion about as making the temperature control better was making the product easier to use. And so we still are today working on improvements for that. But it is a passion that we have is to make electronic device easier to use. That is a big uh, a, a big issue in the industry now. I'm I'm quite tech savvy as
0: you probably can <laughs> see, and I often find these sort of these temperature controller things. I haven't used a Flame Boss, so I'm not talking about Flame Boss. I have used other ones that have been quite difficult to use. And one of the issues I've had has been connectivity. So how does Flame Boss connect to things?
5: You know, connectivity is is always going to have a potential for problem because e- even myself I went to a Ace hardware trade show last week and I was trying to do demos and show people how to use it and damn if they I'm so, if they didn't uh, have some kind of cyber security in their building in the at the convention center where we couldn't use an access point which is the way we we design our um, device to connect to your phone in the setup
0: are they worried about industrial espionage at a trade show? Someone's going to come and film other people's stuff, and so they black out the Internet?
5: <laughs> well, apparently, again, I had to t- ask my brother, well, why would they block that? It seems like, you know, there's a lot of devices that use it. Um, and he said that uh, it is a way that people spoof a, um, a, a uh, Wi-Fi network that's available to users, you know, like in a hotel or... In a convention center, there's almost always some free form of, or an airport, there's some free form of, Wi-Fi. Well, if you create a hotspot on your phone and you pretend you're one of those, and you and you know how to do it, you can yeah, sniff the going traffic going back and forth. So I guess there is some legitimate reason to try and secure. Oh, it.
0: I'm never going to log into free airport Wi-Fi ever again.
5: <laughs> so, so it's yeah. Don't and, and don't log into your bank account as soon as you do. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But. Uh, and I didn't even know you could block it, but apparently you can. So there, there is always going to be some opportunity. But one thing that we've done is we've we tried to put all the instructions for connecting it on the app when you need them. And we actually, I don't want to say copied it, but we learned a little bit from from connecting our own Amazon Alexa devices. So we uh. said, so we said, you know, those work pretty easily. And let's try to make ours work just as easy as that. So you don't give someone, a, you know, a lengthy instructions that they – you just say, do this now, and, and then you go do it. And then the app realizes you've got it done, and it gives you the next instruction. Mm. So we've done everything we can to try and make it easier, and then and then we still get feedback on problems that people are still having, and we, and we work on. Trying to eliminate those.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's it's a web-based co- connection. Then it's it, it's Wi-Fi or is it Bluetooth it, it is or both? It is Wi-Fi.
5: So once you hook it up to a, um, a Wi-Fi wireless network, um, it you, you can go anywhere and, and control it. So you hook your device up to that. You can go anywhere with your smartphone or tablet, and and that's and what I like. It graphs like the whole cook, so you get to see you can see the history. You can get up in the morning and see what it did during the night.
0: That's fantastic because I I know for myself I'm one of these guys that I light the charcoal I get the thing started and then I go, uh, I've got no more charcoal <laughs> so then I've got to run down to the to the hardware store get some more charcoal come back again so that that sort of thing really uh,
5: really helps me out. You could even yeah you could even go to work you could start a pork butt before you leave for work in the morning and watch it all day and if if it's if it's done you can actually set it to automatically turn it down to just a warmer so your your pit oh, wow. your drop. When your meat reaches a preset temperature, it'll drop. Or you can just get a notice that your meat is ready to be wrapped or something like that. We'll send a text to your phone. Wow, that's cool. So your charcoal grill can text you. (laughs) Great. The Internet
0: of Things, I think they call it. It is. Yeah, yeah. So how long did this sort of take to develop
5: from from like concept to uh, storefront? Well, it was probably about a year from concept to launch. But the That quick? Wow. But the, but the improvement's been continual since. We've, of, of course, yeah. It was a little more than that before we actually launched the Wi-Fi ones that we have today. The first product that we launched in, um, uh, in 2014 was, was not Wi-Fi enabled. So it, it looked a lot like the ones we have today, but you had to push buttons and go outside and look at it. You know, and in the Florida humidity, no one really wants to go outside. So. Uh, I'm, I'm
0: from the Gold Coast of Australia, so I understand that. We we run at about 80%, 85% humidity all year round. That's so. us in Florida. <laughs> yeah. I have
5: visited the Gold Coast, beautiful place, but oh, I, did, I did feel right at home. It felt just as hot and humid.
0: Yeah, yeah lovely. So what do you got coming up in the future? What's, what's next for Flame Boss?
5: Well, um, you know, I don't think I want to... Uh, let all the cats out of the bag oh, here but trade secrets yeah, we, we would like to try to keep a little bit uh, back but I think that the one thing I can say for sure is we will continue to improve the product we're looking for ways to make it easier to use and, and offer more fulfilling uh, things for, for, for users excellent I would love to hear and that more product fitment for us you know we don't make grills or smokers we only make a temperature control for them so we'll look for ways to make our product work with more uh, grills. Excellent. So
0: in, increase the, uh, the width of application,
5: I suppose. Yes.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Now, is it available uh, internationally or just in America? Or what? Well, how, how, how
5: does it work? We do have international distribution, but it's, it is, of course, much stronger in the U.S. We have a lot more dealers here. It's easier to find, but we're trying to add more international dealers all the time. It, um, last year, it was actually... Our international growth was uh, higher than our uh, U.S. growth.
0: Wow! There you go. That, that's got
5: to make you feel pretty we good. Some, we need to get some in the uh, dealer in the Gold Coast. Maybe you can help me.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I've I got a couple of contacts. We can work something out. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, if they want to track you down, how do they? How do they track you down? Social medias, websites, that sort of stuff.
5: Uh, easy, uh, flameboss.com. There's a contact us page. Uh, I mean, a, a link on the page. Um, social media. We re- we respond to all. Any way you want to contact us, we're there.
0: So just just search for Flame Boss on Facebook, search Flame Boss Instagram, yes. Twitter.
5: Correct. Excellent.
0: Sounds good. Well, mate, it's been good to meet you. Thanks very much for appreciate telling the, me all about Flame Boss. It's
5: nice to meet you. Yeah. Excellent. Good. I love the accent. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> this is Chris from Pets and Giggles, and you're listening to Smoke Hot Confessions.
0: in 2016, the family-owned Fired Up Barbecue is the barbecue caterer you've been looking for. This is American-style barbecue at its best. All meats are smoked in a traditional wood-fired offset smoker. This ensures only the most authentic barbecue experience for your festival, wedding, birthday party, or corporate event. With one of the most impressive trailer smokers on the road today, Bob and his team are based in Sydney but have been spotted as far afield as the Gold Coast, Melbourne, or even Adelaide. In fact, their barbecue was hugely popular at both Sydney and Melbourne meat stocks. In addition to private catering, Bob also offers a barbecue school. This great fun half-day course is suitable for beginners through to intermediate level barbecuers and includes an all-you-can-eat barbecue lunch. It is perfect for corporate team building events or as a special gift for that special someone. To find out more and book Fired Up Barbecue for your next event, head on over to firedupbarbecue.com.au. That's fired up, BBQ. Hey folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We're at day two at NBBQA Conference. And I've got with me here Jonathan from Rockwood Charcoal.
6: Mate, how are you enjoying the conference? It's a great time. A lot of good people here. Meeting all kinds of people.
0: What's been the, the highlight for you so far?
6: So far, the food. The food's been really good this year. <laughs> uh, that, that's been great. Uh, but moreover, the, the, the people. It's just a, it's a gathering of everybody. And it's not the, the average trade show that I go to, where you sit in your 10 by 10 booth and wait for people to come by, and then you have to sell them. Everybody already knows kind of who everybody else is, and it's a very informal uh, atmosphere, which is a lot better. And it's just great, just uh, just rolling around, and just talking to everybody. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you mean. I'm um, I'm, I'm loving all the, the the networking opportunities. I find that I come away from these conversations, and my brain is just. Pinging with different ideas Of new things to try Yeah,
6: yeah And I mean it, It's just people are Standing there talking to me And then I see they're, they're asking me a question About something And I don't know the answer Or I know somebody that does And I look across the room And there's somebody yeah, yeah, I, I yell Hey, you know Come over You know Yell at somebody Introduce them together And all of a sudden Somebody else walks up They introduce them to me it, it, Networking What you said Fantastic
0: Yeah Beautiful, beautiful So whereabouts are you based? How far have, have you travelled to be here?
6: Oh, just a couple hours We're just down the street Basically in St. Louis Oh, yeah, ah, uh, right about a Four hour drive, yeah, if that
0: right, nice. So, h- how do you find the barbecue different in St. Louis to uh
6: Kansas City? Well, I won't say this too loudly since I'm in Kansas City right now, but I don't like Kansas City barbecue. Is it's. so you know, there you go? And it, it's it's being from St. Louis, it's it's very different over where we are, not very different, but v- different enough that uh, you know, the different smokes over here, it's more about uh rubs and you don't put the sauce, you don't cook the sauce onto the meat, it's a it's a um, more of a hickory smoke, it's more of a sweeter sauce, a smoky sauce and ours is more of a tomato based sauce, it's just, uh, it's different, it's good, don't get me wrong it's just, uh, it's a lot different, it's not what I'm used to, it's not what I cook at home
0: Ah, fair enough, alright. Uh,
6: anywhere you go, it's always going to be different, but it's fun to come over here and try all the different ones. Uh, went to Q39, I think it was on Tuesday night, that was fantastic
0: I've uh, heard good things about that Yeah, place.
6: that was really good, we went to uh, Slap's on Wednesday just a couple so blocks. good that was fantastic oh yeah yeah I mean for Kansas City Barbecue of course. Oh. <laughs> no it was it was delicious it was so tell me about uh, Rockwood Charcoal Rockwood was the uh, the accidental success actually it was something that I never really accidental <laughs> success I like that <laughs> it was nothing I ever set up to be a successful company it was a way for me to write off barbecue expenses I was a I was a helicopter pilot making plenty of money and with a good career and but I was bored and while I'm sitting there waiting for the phone to ring all the time in our ambulance base I thought I'll sit here and I'll make money while I am uh, making money already so I got into real estate I got into teaching firearms classes I got into all this other stuff in the rock and the charcoal was just kinda of something fun on the side I was doing in order to meet people to sell real estate and guns and other things too and then all of a sudden the charcoal started going faster than everything else I had an opportunity to make a, to get into commercial, start selling to stores. Uh, I hired a company that created a brand. Again, not really planning for it to leave St. Louis. And every year, double, 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 doubled. I quit my job as a pilot four and a half wow. years ago. And now it's available in almost 10,000 locations in all 50 states, yes. Nationwide. Nationwide, yeah. It, it's on the shelf. Uh, it's hard to tell at any given time because people cycle, cycle it in and out sure. based off the season. But it's probably on the shelf in about... Uh, at least 3,000 stores that uh, that we know of at this very moment and then um, but it's available within two to three days at at most of these stores because they just order it in through their warehouse and then we've also got it online we ship out a a ton of it online and through Amazon Uh, for those of you watching don't buy it through Amazon please just go to our website or order it through your local dealer if you buy it on Amazon you're paying way too much money so yeah it's it's going really well
0: and I actually ordered a barbecue through Amazon two weeks ago and somebody nicked it from behind the uh, from behind the security uh, fence of the place I was renting. So, yeah, not, I, I, I'm not impressed with my experience.
6: The porch pirates, they call them,
0: yeah. Oh, the porch pirates. Yeah. Okay, there you go, yeah. yeah. When I actually rang Amazon, they gave me three different reasons as to why my package wasn't there. <laughs> First of all, they said it was delivered. Then they said that, uh, that the driver had re-scanned it so it was going to go out for delivery the next day. And then they said uh, that it had been delivered to the wrong address.
6: Yeah, I can see it. Our boxes are big, 66 pounds, and very hard to move. So I, don't no, I haven't heard no anybody... No stealing
0: that, then. I haven't heard anybody <laughs>
6: stealing that yet. Although we did have pallets, uh, empty pallets, stolen from our warehouse. I never knew that was a thing, but people steal empty pallets. It's a big it's racket. Those,
0: it's those damn hipsters. They're stealing these bloody pallets, breaking them down, and building furniture, and then putting them
6: on eBay. I assume so. I couldn't believe it. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what kind of woods do you use then to, to turn into the charcoal?
6: So, on our bag, we've got we're big on promoting that we are a hundred percent Missouri product. Everything in that wow. bag is from Missouri, and not a lot of people know it, but about eighty percent of the domestic lump charcoal here in the United States is made in Missouri, and it's because we have the largest wood industry, and so all the furniture, flooring, cabinets, things like that, it's all comes from Missouri. All the wine barrels for, um, it's it's good wood, so all the wine barrels for Napa Valley, Jim Bean, uh, Jack Daniels, that all comes from Missouri as well. Wow. The Missouri oak. So all the pieces that are too knotty, too warped, uh, have something wrong with the defect of the pieces on the outside or whatever. That all gets all bundled up and it goes to charcoal plants or it gets sent out for uh, chips for, you know, playgrounds, things like that. So we don't take down a single tree for charcoal. Uh, couldn't afford to anyway, but, you know, <laughs> so we, you get the wood, and it's all basically, I, I don't like using the word waste wood because waste indicates that it's below standard. It's, it's not. It's still good wood. So, But it's primarily oak. I mean, it, it can be oak, hickory, maple, pecan, uh, cherry are kind of the big ones that are used in that industry. Most of what we get is oak. Um, no walnut. That's the only walnut, uh, the only hardwood, Missouri hardwood, that we won't touch is walnut. One, because there's a lot of other uses for it. Uh, it's in very high demand right now because of uh, some of the, um, there's there's a bug that's killing a lot of the walnut trees, and it's it's going to be better purposed in bowls, gun stocks, other things like that. Oh, wow. But the big thing is that it kilns at a different rate because it's just so heavy and dense, so it's better that we don't have that in the bag uh, because of that. So I'd say about 80% uh, oak and then whatever. But with the rate that we carbonize it at, to that higher carbonization, there You're not going to tell. There's no You're not going to be able to tell that this was hickory, this was oak, because we've cooked out everything in it that would produce smoke.
0: Interesting, interesting. So the actual, um, like the individual lumps inside one bag could be a mix of different species.
6: Correct, yes. And it's, you know, no one out there has 100% oak or hickory or whatever, because we're all getting the wood from the wood mills. We're not out taking trees down unless you're down in South America somewhere where they just go out and clear-cut everything in their path because they don't have anybody to regulate them doing it. So here, no, it's always going to be a mix, but if you're, carb- if you're properly turning it into charcoal then you're not going to be able to tell the difference because the whole purpose of turning it into charcoal is to cook out the tars and the liquors and the wood. Anything that produces the smoke and it still has water in it, uh, moisture, uh, and produces the ash. That's what you're trying to get out of it. So a good way to tell if you've got good charcoal or not is take it out of the bag and try to break it apart by hand. If you cannot break it apart by hand, it's not charcoal. It's still wood. And people get all excited now about these great big chunks of charcoal the size of a, a basketball or a soccer ball. And, it, <laughs> and they take pictures of it, holding it by their head. It's not charcoal. It's still wood. There's a reason why that thing is that big still and that dense and that heavy because it's full of wood fiber and water. So, you know, people come to, can I get them in bigger, can I get your charcoal in bigger chunks? No, because if it's in a big chunk, it's not charcoal. But I can sell you a burned piece of firewood if you want and, you know, we'll call it, I can charge you just as much for it. No, we really set out to get that charcoal up to really charcoal to 80 to 85 percent carbonization. We get all the tars and liquors out of there so that we're selling you a bag of carbon, as close as we can get it to carbon. Any higher than that, any higher than 80, 85%, and it's just gonna break apart like dust. So that's about the only complaints we really get is the size of the charcoal. The good news is is like other things in life, size doesn't matter. So <laughs> so I know. Yeah. I know. Been running that line for years. <laughs> so, it really doesn't. E equals m c squared. I mean, they're, they're, all the the BTU of our charcoal is about eleven thousand seven hundred BTU per pound, and it doesn't matter if it's a big chunk, a little chunk. Uh, airflow is a big deal but if you're using it in a charcoal cooker a, a big green egg or anything else where you can control the meter of the oxygen control the flow of oxygen to it it can't burn faster a little piece will not burn any faster than a big piece because you're controlling the oxygen that part of the fire triangle is the one you're regulating uh, the only the difference is though if you're using something like a PK grill or open air kind of park grill or anything that has an an unregulated source of oxygen, an unmeterable source of oxygen to it, then yeah, it's going to burn like wildfire. And what you do, got to do is you just got to use less of it. So and and add it, so it it does become uh, that that is the only bad part of it. And producing charcoal that's high in a carbon content just makes it very brittle. So it's like a bag of Lay's potato chips. You know, we can wrap that thing in as much bubble wrap as you want, but merely taking it from one point of the room to the other it's gonna break down a little bit, uh, just by the, by the agitation. Mm. Yeah,
0: so I'm curious about the, the, carboni- the, the carbonation? No, carbonization. Carbonation.
6: Carbonization. Carbonation
0: is beer, and I love that too, but that's another conversation. Carbonization, I'm curious about the, the carbonization process. Can you tell me a bit about how you guys do it
6: um, at Rockwood? So it goes into, it kinda of looks like a, a, a munitions depot or a Quonset hut. It's a it's a 20 by 40 kiln, it's a wow, foot, it's a foot thick concrete with lined with refractory, and they take the the bundles of the wood. The bun, the wood comes in a great big bundles on the back of semi trucks, and it ages for you know usually by at least three months or so to help dry it out to uh, to um, um, acclimate it and and get all and much water out as possible before they put it in the kiln. Stuff that kiln full of it. Light it off, and it'll burn anywhere from a, a day to a day and a half or so. Reach temperatures of fifteen hundred degrees. The outside of the kiln is too hot to touch. Wow! You can just see the heat just radiating off it. It's a it's a miserable process down there for those guys. I'm I'm glad I'm up in St. Louis in the warehouse. So, <laughs> uh, so there, yeah. it it'll burn in there, and then it takes anywhere between five to ten days to cool. For the fire to drop off, and I, I won't go too deep into it, but it's, I mean, the, the process of it is, it's very, uh, it's, it's the same as it was 100, 200 years ago when yeah. they were making it. The only thing that's different now is basically capturing all of the emissions off the top of the kiln, all the, the white smoke.
0: Of course, And yeah. then
6: taking that white smoke into an afterburner, firing that with propane to burn the particulate out of the smoke. So that it burns clear off the top. Um, any white smoke coming off a kiln in the state of Missouri is a big fine. Uh, it's uh, five or five or ten thousand dollars a day
5: for per white per day
6: per kiln per day. Yes, for white wow. smoke off a kiln. So that is something that's you know very highly regulated everywhere in the U.S. That's just Missouri's rules. But the uh, yeah. That, so everything that's uh, going in there is a recycled product, and then what we're putting out in the air is clear as can be. It's not polluting anything. Then all the byproduct after that, so after it cools down, they go in with the loaders, they pull it out of there, and they they bounce it down a conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt, all the fines fall through the three-quarter inch minus. So those fines have a very good use. Sometimes people get a bag, and there's a lot of fines in the bottom, and they say, ah, you put that in there because, you know, it's it's cheap. No, the fines get sold. There's money in those. So the only reason they had fines in the bottom was that bag got beat up, and and it's it's jerking to you. Those fines are sold for brickheading which you know we try not to sell I'd rather not sell it to them but the um, sell it to agricultural use and fines get mixed in with the soil carbon amendments for soil is a fantastic opportunity in this country they used a lot in other countries that really hasn't caught on in the US yet because of all the lobbying from fertilizer companies and things like that so I we don't push it too hard because I don't want to you know End up in a ditch somewhere by, <laughs> by pushing a product. The, the, that's a, the
0: fertilizer mafia. There yes. you go.
6: So it, it's an amazing product. I, I highly recommend that if you don't want to burn those fines in the bottom of your bag, do not throw them away. Put them in your garden, especially tomatoes, or sprinkle them on your lawn. It's a, it's a fantastic soil amendment. We we gave a big grant to the University of Missouri about four or five years ago, ten thousand bucks, and uh, you know a lot of truckload of that those fines. And the, the results of it were phenomenal. The problem is it's kind of like petal and snake oil. Nobody really believes you when you show them this data. And it's uh, but, it's the, up.
0: but if you're running soil that, that's acidic, then the carbon would, would, would neutralize the acidic nature of the it. soil, wouldn't it?
6: Yes, and we did it in all of Missouri, uh, the different loams of soil here, the rocky, the clay, and the, um, the, the, the sandy soils, In order, not just for pH but to also put the carbon back into the soil because every time you pull that plant out of there, it was carbon that was holding that plant up. Well you, and, you and me at the end of the day, we're nothing but carbon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're yeah. putting that carbon back into the soil and the, and the plants just love to use that carbon. But also it pro- provides what's kind of a word I use, a micro-reef basically for all the little critters that live down there in the soil. Ah. Carbon is extremely, extremely uh, porous. So what happens was when we had it, it was a tree. If you look at it, it kind of looks like a sponge under a microscope all the tars and liquors, the xylem and phloem if you remember your high school biology, that's what's in all those little pores. <laughs> so, As the burning process happens, all those alcohols and everything in there, those, those tars and liquors, they burn at a, at a much lower temperature than the carbon does. So we burn, we basically melt or burn all of that stuff out of there and it exposes all those pores. That's all the oxygen that the that the, the, the oxygen get to the carbon. That's why lump charcoal just burned so hot and wild, especially once it gets going, because it's accessing all those little pores. There's so much surface area on the inside. Oh, interesting. So when you put it in the soil, that's where all those little critters move into. And the powder basically almost provides like a a lubricant for the soil, like a graphite that you can just set there and aerate the soil by hand. But the little little nuggets and everything, that's where these little critters move into, and the earthworms go in there, and they eat them, and it's just a, a whole ecosystem that's going on down there, and that's what spurs... A lot of uh, good soil practices and other things. So, again, I don't understand it. Uh, we've got people that do, and they can explain it. And, uh, it's it, But it's an amazing product. It's amazing. I just know that from dumping it in our own garden at home and on the yard, that just what it's done.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's just amazing uh, information. And I love that you're not only sort of taking a recycled product to make carbon, but then... The what the trimmings or what have you from the, the fines, from yeah. f- the the findings from the carbon then are able to be recycled again right back to the very start of the chain of growing the tree Correct. to make the carbon.
6: So with what we're burning off and putting in the atmosphere from the charcoal um, itself, the lump we're putting back into the ground. And so I don't know if we'll necessarily ever be carbon neutral. But we're that's getting, pretty close. We're getting back. We're trying to get back to that point by not burning those fines and putting them back into the ground.
0: Yeah, fascinating
6: stuff. Yeah, it, so, it's, it's neat. It's fun. Yeah. So where can people track down Rockwood? best place to look is on our website, and that'll direct you to the nearest retailer. Uh, usually any Ace Hardware uh, that's out there. We're starting to come up in more true values. Uh, usually the mom-and-pop uh, fireplace hearth, barbecue stores We're in a lot of those We're in a lot of uh, butcher shops, the finer stores uh, Around St. Louis, we're everywhere I mean, we're in convenience stores In some cases, liquor stores, we're everywhere The people's charcoal And that, that takes place in some other cities too But mainly, the, the biggest uh, the biggest place that Sure to be guaranteed where you're going to find it now Is Ace Hardware And if it's not on the shelf, what you can do is You can just have them order it And they'll have it in two to three days But our website, if you just go on RockwoodCharcoal.com. I uh, just click on Buy, and it'll give you the options of where to look and where to search. Uh, call them up. At last resort, if you don't have somewhere local to buy it, you can order it on our website. It's about 85 bucks for three bags. That's the best way for us to do it. Shipping-wise, it's a box of three bags, and that's going to be the lowest price per bag. We'll ship it to you. Uh, hopefully, the UPS is nice to it. <laughs> if it's not, I apologize, but... There's not any. We buy it local. It'll show up in better condition if it rides on a pallet rather than rides in a box.
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Look, very thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Uh, the the sessions are changing in the rooms here, so people are about to start running around us here. So I'm gonna say thanks very much. Thanks Thank for being so part much. of the God show. Bless you. It was, and uh, it was a great time. Yeah, and enjoy the rest of the conference. I will. Look forward to seeing you later. Thanks. Hey folks, Ben from Spoken Hot Confessions here. I want to kick this interview off by giving mad props to Joey from b Charcoal. We just recorded like 25 minutes of just beautiful interview only to find out that the phone had been hit with an Amber Alert 21 seconds into the recording and it shut the phone down. Ah, and he's, it's
6: all good. He it's all good. He's very,
0: very graciously letting me uh, do all this again. So, mate, thank you very much. Yeah, And, perfect. Uh, perfect. and how have you been enjoying the MBBQA conference? Now
7: nah, we, we love the MBBQA conference. This is, uh, this is my Fourth year, I believe. Um, this year, you know, we we, we attend. Um, we're a sponsor. We're, uh, you know, I'm a board member, and uh, and this is just one of those things. When I first came on board with b Charcoal, this was the very first event that we ever did, mm. and uh, and I really, really believe that this is a big key to the success that we've had because of the relationships we've been able to build through this, and um, and again, like I said, th- this. This whole organization is really built on friendships and, you know, being able to network within this industry. And it doesn't matter if you're, if, if you're a novice, if you are have a catering truck, if you've got a, uh, a brick and mortar barbecue place, you're making seasonings or sauces or whatever. Uh, this industry, you know, they all need the input from everyone. And uh, if you're starting off, especially this is the place to be. They can save you so much money, so much time because everyone who's a member here has been where you were at one point and they can really help you in your decision making or you know, it being able to give you some options that maybe you don't even know about.
0: One of the things that I noticed just walking around and just sort of people watching is that if someone doesn't know the answer to your question right. they know who does correct? and they will grab you and take you to that person correct. and explain correct. the situation and solved
7: exactly and uh, you know and that's what it's all about you know and even today like you know we're having we have an opportunity to uh, to you know to speak to members but we also have an opportunity to uh, to showcase our wares whatever we do uh, and then we also have because they have this SCA deal tonight uh, which would be the steak cook-off tonight uh, you know we have an opportunity to share I'm from Texas we're in Kansas You know, we've got guys who, uh, you know, have traveled in from, you know, other states. We do have a few guys from Texas here, but we've got here guys from Memphis, and we've got guys from Washington State, and we've got guys from, you know, all over. And uh, traditionally, when we go do SCAs, uh, we're doing it very regional to us uh, as well as them. So tonight it could be anybody's game, uh, but it also gives us an opportunity to take a look and see what they're doing over there and um, and believe it or not, everyone's really, really—they're—they're they're so willing to give you information. It's—it's it's unreal, you know. But again, like I said, this is a, uh, this is a knowledge. I mean, what do you what do you call it? I mean, it, it's a knowledge pool, and uh, you you have the opportunity to come and get ex- the exact pinpoint piece of information that you want. You have the idea, you know, some idea you want to just bounce off of somebody to see what they think. This is the place to do it. It's a think tank. You know for barbecue and uh, and again like I said these guys are, are so so willing to share their successes their failures their you know uh, man I wish I would have done it differently you know in today's day and age because of social media is such a big part of it today you know that extremely well that you know if we don't have this social media aspect to it, uh, it it's you can't grow it just it's it's almost impossible so as we kind of continue on, you know, and we're, we're a couple days into this. I've actually been here for like three days. Uh, you know, we're on the official two-day uh, or the second-day event of this, and uh, we had the Culinary Fight Club was the very first night. That, that was had. very cool. And uh, that was something new for this event. Now it's very, very, um, you know, they have those up in the Chicago area quite a bit. Um, and uh, But like I said, it was, it was so cool because we had – Uh, Jason Bauer, you know, he's from the Seattle area, uh, you know, going against some guys who who do this, you know, once a month, you know, and he was able to come in here and pull it off, you know. But, again, like I said, you know, everyone here is very competitive, you know, and uh, whether you're a competitive cook or, you know, competitive in business or or something – um, this is a group of winners, and it's and it's kind of crazy because, like I said, normally when you're in there, everyone really holds everything so close to their chest and doesn't want to share a lot of that information. But here, you'll see so many people are proud of their accomplishments and they want to share that information because they want other people to be successful as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got a I got a buddy Dan from Country Boys in uh, yep. in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you know Dan? You met Dan? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, he always says he's very open about what he does and, and how he does it because, as he says, I can show you everything that I do. Right, you still got to cook it. You actually have to go and do it. Correct,
7: correct. And, and I'm 100% with that. You know, it's it's one of the yeah, – a, a great example of that is, you know, when I started cooking with 20 years ago, um, the the very first cook-off that I ever went to, you know, I thought it was a drinking contest. I had no <laughs> clue that you were supposed to turn food in, you know. And I was very successful at the drinking side. I was terrible at the cooking side, and it took me a long time to really understand that you know you have to decide: is this a uh, you know do you want to be successful in this or do you want to be popular in this? And it's kind of like a high school thing. You know, you want to be the cool kid or you want to be the brainy kid that you know that gets all the accolades and awards. And it took me a long time to figure out that I wanted to be the brainy kid. You know, and I, I wanted to try to start getting return on investment and, you know, that type of deal and, and quit having parties and start being serious on, on the deal. And honestly, it, it probably took me five years before I figured that out. As I continued on in life and, you know, and I would take every second that I could to go compete and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, I have a young son who also competes as well. Ty now, he's 17. And doing very, very, He does, he does really very well. well. I got him kind of interested and involved at a young age. You know, he was he was probably right right before he turned about nine years old. He started kind of helping me more, and it was a cool thing to hang out with Dad. And, and then eventually, uh, when he got about, you know, 10, 11 years old, uh, we actually got him more involved in cooking and cooking on his own. And, you know, and it came down to, you know, it was just a, you know, I'll tell you what I do, you replicate it. And uh, then he was able to put his own twists on it. And then he became very successful on his own, just cooking IBCA contests. And uh, right after that, he had an experience where he got to go cook uh, on uh, Food Network for Kids' Barbecue Championships. Oh, wow. And uh, did really well on that show. And then that kind of launched his little little deal. And now he goes on. He only cooks SCAs now. Um, and like I said, he's become a, a, a very successful cooker now, even at 17 years old. And again, you know, he had first place uh, wild game at um, at uh, Memphis in May last year. You know, he did uh, you know top one of the top cookers in World Foods. You know, this past year at World Food Championships in SCA. Uh, he finished seventh overall out of 200 cooks. You know, um, so again, like I said, with You know, this is very much a family organization, whether you're blood or not, um, you know, everyone really, really takes all the time and energy and, you know, and really tries to instill this. Because again, I've always said that if we skip a generation, this will all be lost. Yeah. And uh, y'all are kind of, as far as Australian market right now or New Zealand or, you know, anywhere overseas right now, it's always been a thing. But now it's starting to get a little bit more serious and, and getting, you know, more people are getting interested. I think that honestly, I, I think that y'all are in the infancy of, of the barbecue <laughs> movement, you know, up there, uh, you know, and again, it's it's kind of like this organization. We've gone through, we've made our mistakes, we've done everything else, and now it's very easy uh, for someone to get online one day and decide that they want to be a competition cook and be able to succeed. because. All the information is there, you just got to go find it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when you come here, you just leave the computer at home and it's real life. You just grab someone, you go, oh, I've always wanted to learn how you do this. I've watched your YouTube video. I've watched, you know, I've always been interested in your seasoning or I've been buying your seasoning for years. I don't know how to use it, you know. So this is your opportunity. You get in front of these people, You, you, you can get any answer in the world and uh or you can get nothing you know it's up to you yeah exactly yeah
0: it's up to the individual you can come to a conference and be a wallflower right or you can get in there and and uh, and, and mix it up with the rest of them
7: exactly exactly
0: now speaking of all things internet yep blowing up the socials on, on the b&b pages at the moment uh-huh. is this rig this monster truck and trailer that you got set up here yep, yep. tell me about the truck what is that exactly
7: so the truck that I currently drive right now, I've got a, I've got a couple different trucks, but this particular truck right here, this is a Chevrolet Kodiak. It's it's a 4500, so they actually call it a medium duty truck, and really and truly, it's 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 a step under a semi. It's really what it is. And um, but this particular truck is uh, super comfortable. It's uh, it's a really really safe vehicle for what I do. You know, we did 100,000 miles last year. Um, and usually we're loaded down pretty good. You know, the trailer that I'm pulling behind this one right now is a 28 foot triple axle trailer. Wow. And um, it, it's just the capability of this is, is incredible. You know, I can, I can, on this particular trip, I brought up three pallets of product. On some events, you know, we'll go, I'll put eight pallets of product in here. Wow. And uh, so, again, like I said, we have, we have several different vehicles that we use for several different events. Uh, But this is the one that that is, this is our rolling billboard. The truck's very functional, Uh, it's just obnoxious enough that people really notice it, Uh, but it's a beautiful combination going down the road.
0: Yeah, I think when you've got trailers this size, you want to be driving the trailer not have the trailer be driving
7: you. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. In in most of the conditions that we go to, you know, we're we're driving downtown New York or downtown Chicago or, you know, downtown Kansas City, uh, you know. That, that's not what this vehicle is built for, but at the end of the day, uh, it's It's very easy to maneuver. And uh, again, like I said, it's super safe. Yeah,
0: definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, mate, before I let you go, because yep. there, there is a uh, site inspection guy coming around, I did yep. just see him whip past. Perfect, perfect. What would be your three top tips for people that are designing their trailers? And I'm asking because in Australia at the moment, there's a new trend, people are starting to move towards trailers. So, right,
7: right. three top tips for trailers? Sure. I think that right now when you look at trailers, and we've got a variety of different trailers that we have at home, everything from bumper pulls to goosenecks to, you know, fully enclosed trailers to porch trailers, um, you know, you have to find the one that's the right function for you. And, uh, you know, not everyone I I think is going to have the ability to have 15 trailers at the house. uh, But, you know, you have to find one that's going to work. Um, you know what is at the end game? You know, are you cooking only SCAs? Can you can you walk in a, a little side cargo door and just bring your pit in? You know, are, are you going to be doing a lot of overnight cooks? Do you need to uh, to try to focus on you know sleeping overnight and accommodating? Do you have kids? You know, do we have to keep the kids entertained while we're you know doing our events? You know, uh, are TVs important? You know, what creature comforts do you need? And then also at the same time. What is your end goal? You know, do we need to be pushing pits and, you know, do, do we have the capability of pushing pits in and out of the trailer? It's it's funny because now in Texas we have guys who've got jambos and we have all this other stuff and they have a trailer for the trailer. You know, they have a trailer pit that they winch up into the trailer, you know, because, again, they, you know, they spend a lot of money on jambos. they want to keep them beautiful. But, again, it's a trailer in a trailer. Um, you know, is that necessary? I don't know. You know, it, it, it is kind of
0: night rider cool, though. But it
7: yeah. is. Exactly, you know, and it's kind of like the Russian doll thing, you know. You just go, oh, hold on, but again, like I said, you know, nowadays, you know, for us, especially in the Texas area where I'm originally from, or where, where I'm from now, is, uh, you know, you got guys who can go cook a whole contest on three barrels, and uh, or you have a guy who's who's putting that jambo in your trailer, or you know, whatever. It's it's your equipment. You know, figure out what's what works for your equipment. Figure out what makes Mama happy, if if that's a factor. Um, you know, if she's not happy, no one's happy. But at the other other aspect of it is, you know, look at the vehicle that you have. Make sure the vehicle that you have is capable to pull your dream pit or your dream trailer or your dream whatever. Yep. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, you may be going to a barbecue contest today. You may be moving your mother in law next week. And um, your neighbors may not appreciate that in your yard either. So uh, again, like I said, bigger is not always better. You know, functionality is like key. And, uh, you know, being able to, to move the vehicle safely from point A to point B is probably one of the most crucial things at all. Beautiful. Well, look,
0: man, thanks so much for your time. Yep. Thanks for being part of the,
7: uh, of the MBBQA, of the SCA. And thanks for your contribution to the scene as a whole. Hey, thank you for making the trip down here. We appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Have a good day. Cheers.
6: Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
0: If you want good barbecue, you need good charcoal. And when it comes to charcoal, the denser the wood, the better the charcoal. This is where Dragon's Breath Charcoal comes in. It's made from Australian native Gidgee, famous for being the third most dense wood in the world, which means you're going to get 100% quality, 100% of the time. The manufacturer of Dragon's Breath Charcoal was founded in 2005 and is the largest charcoal manufacturer in Queensland. A company founded in firm principles and values, the manufacturers of Dragon's Breath seek out opportunities to serve the community, starting with their work in the environmental restoration of Southwest Queensland sheep and cattle stations. Over the years they've developed dietary charcoal products for livestock and horses and pets, and now there's garden and agricultural soil products that help keep moisture in the soil while it takes CO2 out of the atmosphere. Dragon's Breath Charcoal will be launching on Amazon in October, so stay tuned for more info soon. folks ben for smoking hot confessions here we're at day two of the mbbqa conference we're rounding out the end of the day we've just finished the last session but i've got a barbecue loving youtuber here for us to to, uh, to talk to try and get some uh, tips on the social media and on the youtube this is joey from red meat lover man how you going
8: i'm doing great man thanks for uh, having me on i'm happy to be here talking to you and really enjoying this conference uh you know, at uh, Red Meat Lover, we operate a YouTube channel, as you mentioned, as well as a website, and our focus is uh, cooking meat made easy, plain and simple.
0: Love it, mate, love it. So what what, what kind of recipes do you do? Are, are you, uh, I mean, you, you've said red meat, do you stray into game and buffalo or just straight beef and pork? What,
8: That's uh, a great question. Red meat is uh, just sort of a catch-all we kind of focus on, you know, mainly Uh, beef and pork but if you take a close look at our logo you can see a little chicken hiding right inside so we cover it all occasionally do some seafood really what it is what we're focused on is just educating uh, others about some of the same questions we had when we initially started cooking proteins speaking of questions and uh, and and getting those answers what is it that's brought you to the to the conference uh, well, meeting with uh, Rockwood Charcoal. Uh, they're also based in St. Louis. Um, I reached out to him because that's where I live and uh, he told me about this conference and my first reaction was like, no way, there's a barbecue conference <laughs> And it was two weeks away and about three hours away from St. Louis so couldn't pass that opportunity up to be here and I'm just uh, really glad that I did. So many great people uh, here. Um, sharing tips, tricks, ideas, best practices all across the industry from marketing to cooking. It's a great event.
0: Yeah, I've, I've really been uh, enjoying the range of people that I've met. So I, a YouTuber, I interviewed the guy from Rockwood Charcoal. I've interviewed uh, Joey from, uh, from B&B. I've met with, uh, you know, butchers, um, caterers, restaurateurs. you got the
8: whole gambit here. It's just incredible. Absolutely. Just sharing ideas. Everyone's so personable. Uh, open to uh, sharing and giving feedback, and it's just been a really terrific event. I'll be back next year.
0: Yeah, me too, for sure. Now, tell me about um, about Red Meat Lover. How did you get started in that?
8: The, uh, great question. It all really started in college, um, the idea, when I was forced to cook for myself for the very first time. <laughs> and uh, after I got tired of eating ramen noodles for about two or three months, I decided I'd head to the grocery store and take a look at... Uh, you lasted two or three months eating nothing but ramen? You know... <laughs> When you're 20 to 21, it's, it's a ramen and beer, you know. It was a good combination. Um, but headed on down to the grocery store and took a look at the, the meat display and was immediately confused. I couldn't tell the difference between uh, sirloin steak from flank steak to brisket. So I just started uh, buying different cuts. Messed up a lot of them. Uh, found some successes, and uh, after graduating from college and really barbecuing with my friends on the weekend, uh, living that bachelor lifestyle, we all kind of realized we all had the same questions. And we thought we would uh, start a uh, website as kind of where we started to answer some of those common questions we all have.
0: Yeah, I, that's a great place to start. So um, what is it, do you think, about, um, about barbecue and YouTube or video in general, the, the video
8: medium, that works so well together? Well, it's the old uh, adage, a picture is worth a thousand words, so what's a video worth? A bunch of Thousands pictures. of pictures, yeah. Yeah, millions of words, basically, and it um, YouTube is the second largest search engine uh, utilized in the world, so right after Google, if they're not finding their answers on Google, they're finding it right over on YouTube. So, um, it's just a... A database of information uh everyone from amateurs to pros who are out there you know sharing what they've learned where they've made mistakes and uh helping others you know uh avoid some of those mistakes and that's you know what we try to do as well cool so break it down
0: for me for those of us who don't have a youtube channel yet how do i get started
8: <sighs> well uh, in its simplest form you just need an iphone Um, You know, we wanted to, in addition to offering quality content, we wanted to create really high quality videos that were engaging, um, you know, sort of what we try to do with our videos is deliver on uh, education, Mm -hmm. inspiration, as in uh, one is inspired to try this at home, and uh, sprinkle in a little bit of humor in there as well. So that's kind of our our, our recipe that we follow, pun intended. Nicely um, done. I, 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 I did notice that. Well done. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I have a, a business partner who's also very passionate about what we do and is also really good behind the camera. Um, but I think for me, it really just started with cooking what I already knew and had been making in my own kitchen for the last decade.
0: So, I I take it that it helps, then, if you've got a second person to hold the camera, rather than try and set it up on a tripod, do something, run around, move the tripod?
8: Absolutely, I find that having, uh, you know, a professional behind the camera, someone who's uh, well-versed with the intricacies of operating and editing, which, you know, takes a ton of time as well to do right, it's, uh, I don't have the patience for that, luckily he does, but then I also find what uh, really, I do a lot of public speaking, so, uh, with that background, I realize that having a good script, literally knowing what you're going to say, is that when people are, are taking time out of their busy lives, um, that, they're, that you're giving them something valuable, that's mm. straightforward. We really strive for you know something in the neighborhood of 7 to 10 minutes, something that can be digested fairly quickly, um, and it tries to hit on all the imper- important points. Uh, so you know that script, knowing what you're going to say is also really important. And wherever I mess up, that's where good editing comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: I love the power of editing. So we've got our smartphone, because you can do it on an Android or an iPhone. Mm -hmm. We've got a buddy to help record it. Yep. We've opened an account on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What are some tips and tricks for uploading the video and sort of tricking the algorithms to force that video out to the public how like how do i get people to see it because there's so many countless hours of youtube uploaded every minute how do we make ours into the search results
8: that's a, a great question um you know i'll get to that question but i left out something that's important uh, oh, okay. as it relates to creating youtube videos and you're holding it right in your hand it's ah. a microphone so important versus getting, it gives a crisper, cleaner sound. So I wanted to mention that, but I guess back to your question, um, you know, you need to kind of know a little bit about what people are looking for. You know, it's it's one thing to put out there what's uh, what's in your heart, but it's no good if no one can find it or if no one's using it. So um, at, at a broad level, just see what other videos are out there and working, of course, you know, you never want to take anyone else's title or anything like that, but if there are certain keywords that you are finding within the, um, the high-ranking, high-performing videos, um, that's really important. Uh, there's also, when you upload a video, there's uh, the public doesn't see it on YouTube, but there's a place to add tags, which is like keywords that, as far as I know, YouTube and Google... That kind of helps, you know, um, uh, optimizing those keywords allows your video to be found uh, more quickly. Of course, we're still learning. YouTube does not put out a uh, publication of a how-to. There is no manual. No. no. Um, so it's other creators like us who are just trying to figure it out and who are are within those communities of, of other like-minded people who are sharing their success stories. Um, we're just now beginning to experiment with 4K. Um, we've noticed and we've heard from some others that 4K videos tend to perform a little bit better. Interesting. Yeah, so we're entering season three uh, of our uh, of our program. Uh, we've done about uh, 36 videos. So we're, wow. I'm sorry, season four. We've done about 36 videos, so we're going to season four. And there's been a lot of trial and error. Some of my very best videos, some of my very favorite recipes are the ones that don't perform as well because they're just not being widely searched for. So if you can answer the questions uh, that people are looking for, do that in an in a impactful, meaningful way uh, with high quality. I think that that all uh, really helps. Um, but we're still kind of figuring it out like everyone else is too. Now,
0: just on a, on a technical side of things, with other apps and other programs and things, If you're uploading from the phone, there's often less menu options and things Mm -hmm. than doing it from a desktop. Is it important to upload the video from a desktop versus mobile,
8: or can you do it from any device? We've only uploaded from a computer, or a desktop. So I have not, we have not even attempted to upload from a telephone. Um, We make, we uh, do, uh, we overlay music, and so we do all that with software, which we don't have. I mean, if it's on the phones, I don't know about it. Not really my end of uh, the project, but yeah, we, we upload all from desktop.
0: Okay. Yeah, cool. Because I I'm not sure. I haven't because I'm, I'm a desktop guy as well when I upload videos. I'm pretty sure you can't add tags from a mobile.
8: Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I'm I'm
0: 90% sure of that.
8: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, adding tags, um, using keywords. Um, I feel like I'm missing something out. I'm sure it will come to me later. But again, just delivering on that. Oh. The like ratios you know it's really important Ah. um youtube it's one of the many factors in their uh, algorithm um it kind of just goes towards engagement which comments go towards that so we try to really you know we don't want to just put out a a video and then not respond to any of the comments we try to address the the uh ones that have praise as well as the ones that have criticism as well just stay engaged with our audience ultimately what we want to do is create a community where people can come find the answers you know Share feedback on what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, and, and add value to, again, our community.
0: Yeah, and engagement is actually a, a key point for any, uh, for any social media mm-hmm. platform. So if, you, if someone leaves a comment on one of your posts, reply to it. Like the comment and reply to it all the time. It, uh, it, it tricks those algorithms. So it trips the algorithms. We don't want to trick them because then they'll change the rules on right. us and we all have to go back to the start and learn again. It tri- trips... <laughs> it trips <drifts> the <laughs> algorithms, and then your, your stuff's going to get seen by more people. So, man, I think it's beer o'clock. I'm, it is, I'm, yeah. I'm obviously in desperate need of a of a cold beer. Yeah.
8: Thank you very much for your time. It's Thank my you. pleasure, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again at future events. Man, it's been a pleasure. Definitely. Hey, folks. Ben from Smoking
0: Hot Confessions here. We have wrapped up day two here at the MBBQA conference. The sun has come out. We've got the blue skies finally. It was looking a bit dicey for tonight's, uh, what's it called, the, the fire party thing happening tonight? Sorry, Saffron, I forgot the name. I'm sorry.
4: Please,
0: we oh, we have it. Hold night on. Night of Fire. Night of Fire. There we go. So we've got good weather for the Night of Fire. And with me right now, before we go across the street, I've got James from the Cucamonga Cattle Company. Mate, have you been enjoying <sighs> the, uh, are you laughing at my
4: pronunciation? No, it's that's, that's good. Oh, it was good? <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Have you been enjoying the conference? It's, it's been a real blast. We, we, this is my eighth year coming. Really? Yeah. So um, it's been nice to see the evolution of how things ebb and flow. But it's been a really good conference. Learning a lot, um, connecting with old friends, and, and seeing the new things that are coming along is pretty cool. I'm meeting you. We haven't met you before. So that's always cool to meet new people.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what is it then that, that keeps bringing you back year after year? The connections that you make.
4: I can meet people here that I don't get to meet in California. Um, Coming back here, you meet, you know, the old school barbecue guys. You know, the the guys from from Mississippi and the Carolinas, and they don't get out to California. So it's nice that I can come out and get to them and make those conversations, make those connections. And uh, you know, I I do rubs and sauces. Um, That's my barbecue contribution to life and being able to, to connect to those guys and see what they're doing, see how their businesses are going and see if they need any rub, you know? <laughs> it's always nice to be able to, to make those connections because I can't do that at home. Just not the, there's just not that many people there doing it. So,
0: so if, if my geography serves me well, which it doesn't always, you're pretty much meeting in the middle here? If pretty much, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're from California, California. and they're from Carolinas?
4: Yeah, this is, this is just about the middle of the country. Of the Great yes. Plains, right here in Kansas and and uh, Missouri. Not Missouri. Oh, I have noticed that. Yeah, it's Missouri. I did not know that. I'm from California, which is California, not California. You know. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's Missouri and uh, Kansas right here. I mean, right across the river is Kansas, and then we're in Missouri here. So you got that going for you. Yeah, it's right in the middle. I think it's. It, I think that's why they picked this one this year. It was everybody was going to Texas. We've been to Texas. We've been to Florida. We've been to Tennessee, um, Louisiana, or uh, no Alabama. So you know we're getting around. So it was just nice. I think they, just to get back into the heartland and, and in this area, of Kansas City. <laughs> it, it doesn't get more barbecue than that, you know.
0: No, they were telling us um, on I, I think it was Wednesday. They were giving us a bit of the history of um, of this area, and I mean this really is like the the heart of the cattle. Yeah, um, area from the, from the frontier
4: times. Yeah, that's where it all started. Um, name of my company, Cucamuga Cattle Company, um, they're just, that's the epitome of that. You know, this is, the, the reason barbecue was here. You know, the cows were here, the shipping was here, the people were here. Perfect, perfect storm, you know. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your rubs and sauces. Um, right now, I have three rubs, your basic chicken, pork, and beef. Um, started out as, uh, with the one rub, 10 years ago. Um, people liked it a lot I I formulated it for tri-tip California tri-tip it's what we do Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's it's the Santa Maria style onion garlic pepper maybe a little something and uh, got tired of it I wanted something just a little different okay so um, being a barbecue guy at that point I was like let's see what I can come up with came up with with my uh, trail boss rub uh, keeping in form with the Cucamonga Cattle Company and uh the trail boss gives that barbecue flavor to a tri-tip that you wouldn't normally get cooking a tri-tip the way you do. It's a a, a hot and fast kind of thing. It is, yeah, yeah, want You want a medium-rare tri-tip. You don't want to cook it to death. No. It's a a steak. So um, having that flavor in that context without having to go for 18 hours. And it, it, it worked really well. Um, I started, you know, catering and doing things, and after about 5,000 tri-tip and two tons of rub, my wife said, "You know, you really should sell that stuff." So she, <laughs> she waited advice.
0: until you'd done 5,000 before she said it was time to.
4: Well, I lost my job, and it was like, "Well, you you do that? Why don't you just do that?" And that's how Cookman Cattle Company was born. So I started bottling it into my garage and and making it by you know 25-pound batches, and started selling it. People started buying it. Ended up where we got into a store, hey, that's cool. Yeah. And then uh, got to the point where we couldn't make enough, so we found a co-packer in Tennessee, no, not Tennessee, in uh, Memphis, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's Tennessee. And
6: uh,
4: they started packaging for us, and uh, we started selling more. And, and you know, you have an actual package now instead of just you know my label and um, getting that stuff done. We developed a new one a few years later. I, I just stayed with that one for a long time, just trying to figure out the groundwork and rules of labeling and packaging and business stuff, not being a business person. I'm an ex-recording engineer, so it, not the same thing. And uh, doing that, came out with the, the chicken rub, uh, prairie dust, cook off like gangbusters. People love it. Oh, fantastic. it's just, I was, I was just really surprised because it, it came about as an idea of like, a smell that I had. like Hence, prairie dust, it was like, Might be neat in a rub you know kind of a thing put my head together and in about two hours i came up with this one really i had the idea i know the flavors um and you get to the point when you're playing with spices all the time of what things taste like what things need to go which way and then uh late and probably another couple years later just plugging away with these two adding a few more stores adding a couple more stores here a couple more there um, came up with the third one for pork, um, have been doing really well with that one. That one with, has been really popular. So I'm, I'm just pleased that people like them. That's one of the hardest things is, is making something that people like and not just say, it's hard, you don't get a lot of feedbacks. You know how it's when you give something a taste to somebody mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh, that's good, I like that. And then they'll have hoist bidding, you know. They don't want to be rude to you. But this is one of those things where people actually do like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had mm-hmm. a competition in California where uh, a friend of mine who does competitions used my my double barrel on his pulled pork exclusively just that we didn't inject we didn't do anything we just used the wow. double barrel on it turned it in we got fourth place uh, that's cool yeah so it was just a it was just really nice to to see that and, and uh know that okay i can do that so
0: it's so can you describe what the prairie dust sort of tastes like
4: it's really herby it's got it's got uh sage and thyme rosemary um kind of like meatheads uh what does he call it? it Simon and Garfunkel, kind of a thing. You know, Rosemary's Agentine, da da da. Ah, oh, okay. But I've got there's more in it. There's some celery. There's salt, pepper. You know, all the things. But the ratios of what's in there allow it to. You know, it's just got that. You smell it and it's just like wow.
0: So it's kind of a like a home style traditional um, flavor ish. In a, yeah. in, a, in a competition style rub.
4: Well, it, it's not really a competition style. I, I make these things for, for everyday use. This is stuff I use every day. Gotcha. I cook, I, I, the prairie dust works great on vegetables and chicken and, and whatever I decide to put it on. You know, I, no matter what I'm cooking, I always grab those three things to see what it's going to do just because I know a guy. And, but to see what it does work on, and I've, I, I'm really pushing it toward just people who cook so that they can have that in their repertoire. Because it's one of those things where when I make it for people, they're like, wow, what is that? And then they're surprised to find out it's one of my rubs because they didn't think it went that way. Because you know, depending on what you're cooking, those things will lend themselves to where you're going. And different flavors will right. come
0: out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And
4: it doesn't necessarily taste like barbecue. So people are, are surprised. You know, it's like if I mix, if I mix some, like, some of the trail boss into some meatloaf. You know, I don't coat the whole thing like, I'm, like I, I would a, a, a pork butt or something like that. But just mix it into the meat a little bit. It, there's there's that, just that little flavor that you get when you take a bite. It's like, what is that? You know? <laughs> 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 I hear angels. What is that? <laughs> and, and so it, it's just that kind of a thing, you know, where, where it, it enhances what you're doing. And that's the, one of the nice things about these rubs is that I've, when I set out to make them, I wanted to make sure you could still taste what you cooked. The proteins that you're cooking, you can still taste the pork. You can still taste the beef. You can still taste the chicken without overpowering it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out there. You can just dump it on there, and, and you know, that's all you get. Um, I, I'm I'm proud of the the uh, trail boss. You can use as much or as little of that as you want, and it will not kill the beef. Mm-hmm. I mean, i I had a friend of mine. He just packs it on a tri-tip. I mean it's got a crust before he even puts it on anything. It's like you can see chunks falling off. It and he'll put it on out. with a trowel. Exactly. If he could if he could figure out a way, you know, it'd be like encased and crusted before he even gets it on. He puts it on the grill. And you're expecting this stuff to just burn up and you know, it's gonna taste like crap. That's just this is not gonna be good. Mm. What doesn't need to be there goes away. Interesting. And it, it's 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 the weirdest thing. And if you just put a light sprinkling on there, it it's like, oh. Like I said before, it's just that little bit in the background, and you're like, "Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I can eat that. <laughs> so, and I, I sound biased, but I'm, I'm always surprised. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made it. It should be good. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, I,
0: I, I made my son. He's constantly surprising me. That I brought
4: my, this is the first year my son has come to the conference with me in eight years. He's old enough to do it. He's not in school, so I didn't have to take him out of school to do it because you mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. And uh, he's having a great time. You know, he he could care less what I'm doing. He's got his own thing going on. He's off running around meeting people, talking to people, eating food. So it's, it's just great to have him here and, and see that, that he's, you know, he's he's a good kid. I just can't help it. So i awesome. a moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, before I let you go, so you're from California. You've done a lot of tri-tip. Can
4: you run me through the best way to cook a California-style tri-tip? Uh, get your seasoning on there. You know, uh, you should... I trim all the fat off of mine, except for I, if there's a big fat cap on the backside. If you leave maybe a quarter inch, like you would on a brisket or something like that, mm-hmm. just to have some 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 safety there. But it's the that fat will render really nice and crisp up, Ooh. and, it, and it, it, it has a really nice texture when you when you get it sliced. It's that little bit of fat on there is nice. Nice. But um, get get your rub on there or whatever you're gonna do. You don't even have to rub it. You can just do salt and pepper on it. If you if you're going traditional salt pepper garlic. That's fine. Um, Get it on the grill. Um, Have it on there maybe three minutes and rotate it. Get some good grill marks on it. Mm -hmm. That crispy, crusty stuff on the outside is what makes it. Because you're not going to cook it solid all the way through. Where You're going to want a medium rare in the middle so it's just a little pink when when it's rested. Yep. You slice that bad boy up nice and thin. A lot of people cut it really thick. They'll cut it, you know, half inch thick. I cut it like I'm making sandwiches. Nice ah, and thin. Okay. And it falls apart, because tri-tip can be tough. If it's if it's, a, if it's for thick, you're just chewing. It's like chewing an eraser. But if you cut it thin, and you've still got that nice crust on the outside, it's a beautiful thing, man. You put it in your mouth, it melts. You get that crust, you get the flavor, and it melts, and you're ready for the next piece. And that's the way I do it.
0: So is that sort of at a high temperature, like an SCA steak, sort of 500 um, degrees Fahrenheit type uh, type I, temperature? I do
4: about 400. Um, that way. You, it gives it a little more time. It's a thick piece of meat. So you, you want to get some heat in there so it'll, it'll get through. And it, you can always, once you get your crust on there, you can turn your heat down or move it to a, a, a slower side of the, of the heat. Just let it sit there for a little while. But make sure you're probing it and get, get it to the temperature that you want, you know, 130 for, for a, a rare, medium rare. That'll get you there so you got to carry over and when you take it off. And there you go. It's, and, you know, make sure you're slicing it against the grain. And it has that, it, it's shaped kind of like that. Yep. So I found if I start cutting on the point like that, I can cut strips all the way along and not have to turn it. Ah. If you, if you cut it at this at this angle, just starting on this end, I can go all the way across and it'll be against the grain the whole way.
0: Ah, fantastic. So season first, 400 degrees Fahrenheit, three minutes each side. Possibly leave it for a little bit of indirect heat if it's not quite there yet three until 1.30.
4: you want to rotate it? Three minutes, rotate it three minutes, then over so it's like six minutes. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, okay,
0: all right. And then a little bit of indirect time if it's not quite at 130 yeah, yet. get
4: it up to temp. important. And fun. then
0: let it rest for minimum 10 minutes? Five, 10 minutes, yeah.
4: You don't need to let it go too long.
0: Beautiful. Well, mate, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for telling Appreciate me all you. about uh, Cucamonga Cattle Company and Tri-Tip and all the rest of that. It was great, great stuff.
4: Great, great being here.
0: Hey folks, it's Ben from and Hot Confessions here. We've just wrapped up day two of the NBBQA uh, conference, and I've got with me Mikey from Manny
2: Barbecue. What's up, buddy? I'm glad we could uh, wrap up day two this way. Um, this is the kind of the end of the day, uh, end of the, pretty much the end of the conference. Um, we've, A, got to meet, which was fantastic. And then uh, we're going to go see a steak cook off in about a second.
0: So I'm excited about that. Uh, what did you think of day two? Mate, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought that the uh, that the opening plenary speaker this morning, Larry, excuse my notes, Larry his name. Winget. Wh- he was hilarious. He didn't wing it, which was fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. he did he came not
2: came in wing with it. a good speech. Yeah. Uh, he was great. Um, I really enjoyed the kids' Q class. I, I don't know if you got to get to that one. I don't believe you were in that room. But it was a very, very cool thing talking about how... Um, Kind of the, the future of barbecue, the kids that are doing stuff, uh, getting your kids involved. And then um, that, the high school barbecue teams, I think are really cool. Uh, I, I may have gone to class more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I was uh, delayed because a couple of my interviews got pushed back. And so I just ducked in for about five or ten minutes to grab some photos and duck back out again. Oh, yeah, that's did right. I, you were in there for a second. Did I hear them say that uh, high school barbecue teams are now bigger than high school football teams? Uh, correct. Wow. So, so there's some there's
2: some high school uh, in Texas guys. Um, there there's a couple small towns in Texas where you know football's everything. I mean football's everything in Texas. So but they're getting more kids that are wanting to go out for the barbecue team, and they're 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 because they're making pits. They're they're welding pits and they're putting them together. Oh that's cool. And then cool. they're going out and learning how to cook on them, which is fantastic because most of the kids these days can't boil water. They're like, how, do, how, do cook, <laughs> yeah. how do I cook? How do I cook pasta? You know what I mean. And they're they're learning how to how to cook protein, how to do all this awesome stuff. And then not only are they doing that, um, they're starting to compete against each other, in in a, in a fun, loving, no beer way, which I'm not sure how that works. But uh, is that know, even possible? It, apparently it is. But they're saying that the kids are really, really getting excited about it to where they 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 sent out a story about a about a barbecue team, right? And that got
0: more shares
2: than the football teams stuff did, ever.
0: D- did I hear it right? It's been shared something like nine thousand times. Yes. Like the post has actually gone viral.
2: Yeah,
7: that and is was phenomenal.
2: Two posts, two, po- two different different towns got two different posts that went viral, and they were all like, "Well, the football teams never had that many shares." I'll bet that went down real well. Oh no! Apparently, <laughs> they weren't super excited about that. But um, it was it was a lot of fun being able to see what he's do- what they're doing. Um, I believe it's just highschoolbarbecue.com, I think I think that's the website. Um, and it's very simple. And I'm sure if you just type in like Texas high school barbecue, I'm sure it'll come up on Google or whatever. Mm. But it was it was just very cool what they're giving back to that community, because he's the culinary teacher, so he's like, I gotta teach barbecue anyways. Let's make it fun,
0: yeah. And it's it's a good opportunity too for different departments within the high school to come together. So you've got you've got your your shop teachers teaching the welding how to make the smokers exactly, which personally that's phenomenal in and of itself. I mean, it, like if these kids mm-hmm. are able to build their own smokers, I mean, you know, that's that's I mean, so what good. What better up
2: way? To learn how to build a proper smoker than to know what it needs to do, how to cook on it, and where the airflow should be going, how to tweak it. Um, you know, you get a smoker at home, you start playing with it, and then you're like, well, if I had a baffle here, if I did this here, if I did that here, and these kids are getting that knowledge to say, like, I'm going to build you a smoker that you don't have to tweak yeah. because I know how to cook on it. Yeah. I don't just, I don't only know how to weld, which is another skill that they could take anywhere else in the world, but I can also cook on something. It, it's just, I think it's, it, it's like win-win
0: in every direction. Well, welding and fabrication is a whole industry and a whole career uh, in and uh, of itself. Exactly. Then you've got the cooking side of things, which is an industry and a career in and all of itself. Correct. And so it's just a fantastic learning opportunity for those kids.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's just, it's expanding like it, it's making them expand their minds, and they're they're saying that they they're getting more kids that want to do that than anything else. Mm. That they're just really gravitating towards it. And some of the high schools don't have money to do it, so they're they're basically saying like, here's five hundred bucks if you guys can raise it. Here's a you know we'll buy you a cheap barbecue pit or whatever. And if you can if you can make some money off of it, and they're going to like. They're going to different um, charity places. They're, they're, they're um, going to churches and, and doing cooks for, for the church wow. to raise money so that they can go and build this program. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a kid go, I really want to learn how to do math. Let's go out and raise money for the math department. Very few kids do that. Yeah. Or like, huh. I, I really, really love my English department. Or you know what I mean my reading department or whatever let's go let's go learn that. you know let's go learn that let's go learn that it's usually like oh I, the football team needs stuff so what do we do
0: And you, it, you, you cut from the arts man you it, cut the you music cut the program arts, you cut the drama cut, program right?
2: and, and the weird thing to them is usually everything gets cut for football but football's not doing as well as barbecue
0: that's really cool really interesting stuff we're
2: taking over the world yeah uh, Yep. One barbecue at a time. Uh, the other thing I thought was awesome yesterday was the uh, Meet the Masters. Hearing Junior's story from Up in Smoke. I mean, that guy is just so humble and so fantastic. And oh, he's yeah, just an amazing yeah. human. Um, I really do. Uh, I, 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 He's just such a great dude. Um, being able to connect with him was fantastic. Uh, Myron was up there just like a cup of sunshine. Uh, he... You know. sarcasm
8: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he, he, he he tells it how it is you know what I mean he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat
0: things yeah look and I it, think people need that that was the first time that I'd seen Myron in, uh, in person and I was expecting him to you know sort of be up on a soapbox and you know this is great and it's wonderful and you know I can do it you can do it and rah, rah, rah. and he wasn't like that he was really he was really relatable he was really straight down the line and he said look this is not as easy as just, I'm going to put a trailer out in my yard and people are going to come and eat it and I'm going to make a million dollars. Yeah. And he was like, this is what's going to be your problems. You're going to have this, 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 this. Then you, when you fix them, then you then got to you, think about this, 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 then, and this.
2: Then the whole other list of problems rolls out, yeah, right? Where it's, uh, yeah. uh, what do we do for this? What do we do for that? And it's just a whole other list of problems. And that's what I think is insane that a lot of people don't want to touch upon. And I, I try to do it like when I talk to people and um, I get I get a lot of influence of people saying, hey, I, I, I want to ask you this question. You know, you're going into catering, you're doing this, you do pop ups. What's your struggles? And I tell them, I go, you know, this is the cost of doing it. I don't know if I'm going to make that money back. I'm, I'm going out there and putting myself out there hoping that I will and the food's good enough. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. And my Myron even said that because I believe there was one uh, gentleman that asked, you know, should I be vending, should I not? Um, and Myron's like, well, it depends. You got to look at – there's so many factors that people don't think about. And unfortunately, we were talking about this earlier, is promoters lie to you. You know, they tell you it's going to be X amount of people, uh, make sure you cook for so many servings. But then they're trying to cover their ass too. And it just – becomes a a lose-lose for everyone almost yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah I I know completely what you're talking about I was I went to a festival last year where the previous year the the vendors had run out of food so the promoter booked twice the number of vendors exactly he said we're gonna have 10,000 people a day through the gates and made them each bring I forget what the minimum number of serves were and then turned around and did a people's choice and so the competitive teams were who cooking whole hogs, serving serving whole hogs. So of course the public are drawn to that, away from the vendors. Yep. And I had to personally help one guy tip four and a half grand worth of pork ribs into the into which, the bin. Which is it's
2: just horrible. It's so sad because you're, oh, you're the, giving you throwing away food that people could eat. And um, and I think that's what Myron was really talking about too, being like, can you can you take that hit? Yeah. Because can you afford the gamble really? Well yeah exactly, because can you take that hit? And still cook tomorrow. Mm. Because some people are cooking today's food to pay for tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it, and that's how, they're, that's how they're making money. They're making very small profits. Um, in the restaurant industry, dude, we skate on small, tiny profits. Yeah. Uh, people don't get it. They're like, well, they're making money. No, I'm making like 30 cents on something that costs you $10. So you think about how much money I have into it. And then we talked about the rubs, and they talked about all that other stuff, and um, I thought it was really, really cool how they didn't really sugarcoat anything. They told the truth. Um, Myron Jr. and Skip, were or Strubstar Stretch, were just, I mean, they were just fantastic dudes giving, giving real honest advice.
0: What, what I found too, um, particularly about Junior and uh, I think it was Stretch that was talking about it, was they were talking about how everyone wants to get into a big box store. Everyone wants to get their rubs, get their sauces yeah. into the supermarkets. Talked about they, that too, yeah. they want to be in Walmart. And how, whilst that may sound all wonderful and fantastic, that can actually undo you. It it
2: can, and that, that's one of the things that um, people don't don't look at. Uh, if I make a million dollars, they're like, oh my god, they made a million dollars, but it costs them nine hundred <laughs> ninety ninety nine thousand, you know to make that million dollars. Was it worth it? I don't know. Cuz you're churning product like crazy. And it's like you're making so little for some people that makes sense. And like like Myron said, but what happens when the big box drops you and says, "You know what? Next season, we don't want you." But you had to push away all your other small mom and pop
0: shops. To sign that exclusive sign contract that, the, with well, them.
2: Because yeah. I know some people don't get it. You go to a big box store, they will look at you and they'll say, I need X amount of cases by X date. You can't deliver. You're done. Oh, well, guess what? There's somebody over there that will. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what they do. Mm. And I think, that, I, think, I think day two, as as a wrap-up, we, we had a lot of good business parts of it um, and a lot of good business truths that most people are scared to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was fascinating to really have that curtain pulled back and just, see, and just see what it's like. For me, I think that the most practical thing that I saw in terms of like literally hands-on, I'm terrible with people's names at this point, is this is day three of the conference – uh, it was the Fabrication, Demonstration, and Barbecue Innovative Meat Cuts Pork with Jim Murray from the National Pork Board and Charlie Torgerson from Charlie did, T's Foods. Yeah, I
2: did miss that one,
0: unfortunately. Yeah, they, they had a, a whole side of it. I a, of I a at the bar. <laughs> they, they, they had like a whole half pig. Um, and they broke her down. And they, and, and they broke it down piece by piece. And then... As they extracted the big muscles, like, the say, the, the whole shoulder... The, shoulders, the yeah, all that stuff. They then broke down the shoulder into each of the individual muscles. So, for me, that was fascinating just to see them do that with just a knife and a hacksaw yeah. and just see exactly where all these meats come from. And he, he could say, look, this one is more expensive because it's tender, because you can see it's up here, it's protected by everything up under here. So, for me, that was really... Um, that was really fascinating to see something so hands-on.
2: Which led to um, I had a I had a very fun conversation with two of the members that were here today uh, here today. Uh, I believe it was the meat stick guy. Uh, that sounds worse. Yes, than, than it yes, is, he's an interesting guy. I promise it's not as dirty as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, he he has a. Fantastic thermometer that you put in, and it, it works, I believe it works uh, Wi-Fi, correct, if I'm not wrong? or uh, both,
0: both, both. Bluetooth and Wi-Fi? Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. yeah. Okay, so you, you can choose fun. one or the other. Which
2: Wi-Fi all day long oh, over Bluetooth absolutely. because you walk 10 feet away, and then you're, you're, <laughs> you, you lose it, and it's insane. But um, what, what I do really like, me and him had a conversation about beef uh, right, right after that, I think it was right after that class, because he took that class and he was, we were talking about he was talking about pork and I was talking about beef and I was like you got to look at the way that, that it hangs on the hanger all this stuff and like we were breaking all this stuff down and he's like you're really a nerd aren't you and I'm like <laughs> absolutely I'm like I'm just a meat nerd and it's not my fault and he's like no but it's so fun to watch you and, and listen to you talk and I think that's that's one of the the fun things that this conference has really allowed me to be
0: yeah well that's that's the thing about us like in the in as podcasters in the in the media and stuff if we're not actually out cooking ourselves yeah then then we're sitting inside on a computer and we're editing podcasts of conversations talking about cooking and yeah
2: (laughs) but i I think i think it also helps that i i mean i've talked to so many people in the last four years i've been doing a podcast for four years um and i've talked to so many people from so many different places and I, i Gathered so much knowledge. It's like I went to barbecue university. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I've I've been and I've taken obviously I've taken barbecue classes and done all that kind of stuff. I teach barbecue classes, um, but it, it's just insane how much knowledge some people lack. Mm. Like it's so great to be able to be part of this and give and have that knowledge be given to people and and watch other people's lights go ding. Yeah, that's the best yeah. part. Like I'm sure during that class, some people. During oh, the pig class. They were like, "Oh, ding!
0: That makes sense." There were a couple of um, a couple of restaurateurs who were like, who were looking at as he was breaking it down, and he was explaining what you could do with the different cuts. You could see them going, "Oh, like I usually just throw that away. I yeah. could actually turn that into something and sell it."
2: Which uh, I know this is day one, but the, that's like, um, no, no. The the day one. This is from day one. Oh, this oh, is day oh, two. oh okay, yeah, yeah. I'm saying from day one when yep. we. Uh, uh, Kent Black said, "You know, all our tr- all our brisket trimmings go into sausage. Yeah, you know, we yeah. grind it all up and we make our sausage that way because we get about a pound to a pound and a half off each brisket. He's like, that's a lot of money to just throw away. Yeah, he's like, so why not repurpose it into something that's amazing that, that that'll taste really good still? And then he, uh, um, and then I believe it was was it Kent that said it or?" Was it Barrett? Uh, It might have been Barrett that said it. um, When he said, uh, you know, if if there's a little bit too hard of a point, anything that gets a little too crispy on the on the on the brisket, they'll cut that up and they'll put that either in in their chili or they'll put that they'll they'll mix it with sauce and put it as their as their uh, chopped brisket sandwich. Mm. So it's just the things that some people don't think about. Dude, you chop that you chop a point off because it's a little bit overdone you throw away two three pounds that's you know you're selling it if they're selling it at twenty dollars a pound that's that's you know forty sixty dollars every day yeah per brisket i'm not saying that they burn up they're they're not burning up briskets but sometimes you know there's there's a little bit of a of course a little bit here a little bit there that happens
0: yeah yeah it's it, it, it's all those little shortcuts and tips and things that have been coming out that's, that, yeah. that's been so good. So, okay, so we're going to head over to the um, steak S- cook-off the shortly.
2: The steak cook-off, which is going to be fantastic.
0: So what would be your single best takeaway from the conference as a whole?
2: Um, my single best takeaway is uh, it truly really is a barbecue family. Um, any one of these guys will give you their phone number. Any one of these guys will, uh, will talk to you. Any one of these guys will sit down with you and uh, give their time, which is the most precious thing we have, right? Um, and they'll give their time to help you with your problem, so that you don't uh, you don't make the mistakes that they did. And they they will they they paid for those. I promise you, they uh, they they paid for them dearly, um, not only financially but time and some of them, you know, the it, it the the
0: heartache and the heartache and, and yeah. the
2: just having to pursue through something like that. Um, So, but these guys will literally tell you, "Hey, you know what? Don't go in this route. Go that route. Don't do this. Do that. I don't do this. Do that." And they they will point you in the direction that you truly need to go. And I I, that's just a family aspect that I don't think exists in many industries. Mm. I think there's many industries that people will say, "Uh, "I'll help you for this much." Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: You know, like
2: I want you to succeed but I don't want you to beat me. Yeah. We're here, it's just kind of like, <laughs> if, if you go from here to here, then we all go. You know what I mean? We all raise that bar together. Mm. And I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd completely agree with, with everything that you just said. And I think for me, what, what has, rather than like a, a particular piece of information or a particular tip that I've picked up, because there's been so many, what stands out to me the most um, which is new to me from a conference perspective. Like I, I work in education. I've been to educators' conferences. Yep. And it's just like being back in school. You've got the person up in front teaching and you're learning. And that's that's the goal of the conference. What I've learned here is that the people that come to the conference are the people that are passionate about helping other people.
2: Yes. Yeah. Very much so.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I, I mean, it's... it's it, uh, aside from who's presenting and there's been tons of great presentations aside from who's presenting and what they're presenting it's worth coming to the conference because that's where you meet the passionate people that want to help other people
2: yeah yeah it, it that it's that brotherhood mm. it's that barbecue brother and sister familyhood you know what i mean we're all just trying to
0: we're all just trying to cook barbecue yeah <laughs> for another day yeah. <laughs> And speaking of that brother and sisterhood, I can see out the window here, they're all across the street there getting ready for that SCA. So let's wrap this up and head over there and go eat some steaks. Let's go cook some steaks, guys. Yeah. And there you have it, family. What a blast. So much wisdom from so many industry insiders. I really think that there was something for everybody in this episode. I've got to give a huge shout out to all the guests on this episode. The networking opportunities at this event were priceless, so for them to have spent some of that time with me is truly an honour. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about our killer merch lineup, the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook, and if you have a minute, it'd really help me out if you could subscribe, rate and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider, so they are really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show. Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing.
6: Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.